Hello, and welcome to the first Truth and Consequences mini episode, in which I choose a letter from a listener and read it anonymously, then offer my thoughts on the content. I chose this format for the mini episodes because of the power and healing that comes from sharing our stories, and also because we get comfort and strength from finding out that we are not alone. I'm your host, Miranda Pacchiana. I'm a writer and personal coach with a master's in social work and the creator of the website and online platform, The Second Wound, Coping with Family While Healing from Abuse or Assault. So let's get started. It's a lovely fall day here in my hometown of Newtown, Connecticut. There's a gentle rain falling outside. I'm crossing my fingers that my dogs won't start barking while I'm recording and making my editing task harder. So here we go, our first mini episode. Today's letter arrived with the title, Silenced. Here it is. I didn't know there was something wrong with me when I was a child. I didn't know that what had been done to me when I was age three to age eight had made me bad somehow. Eventually, that is exactly how I felt, though. The only thing made clear to me as a child was that I was not to talk about what had happened to me. My mother demanded complete silence. I was not to tell my sister, grandma, cousins, friends, church leaders, school teachers, boyfriends, or even later my husband. If anyone knew what my brothers did to me, it would destroy our family, so I kept quiet for years and let it destroy me instead. Finally, when I was 16, I told a bishop at the Mormon church I attended. He had me repent and read a book called The Miracle of Forgiveness. Making me repent was the first time I understood that what had happened to me made me bad. He never spoke to my parents or reported it to anyone. Once I left home and went to college, I told the man I was engaged to. His bishop told him to break off our engagement, and he did. My best friend asked what happened, so I told her, and she didn't speak to me for months. Both my ex-fiancé and friend eventually apologized, but the damage was done. I remember feeling overwhelmed and really bad for telling anyone. It weighed on me for months. These overwhelming feelings only served to strengthen my mom's order to be silent. In 2000, I met and got engaged to my now husband. I was worried he would not want me if he knew what had happened to me as a child. I was also worried that my childhood would impact our marriage and knew I needed to let him know before we got married. Even with the bad experiences I'd had telling people, I still felt strongly that in relationships it was important to be honest, so I took the risk and told him. I told him I knew I was going to be overprotective of our kids if we had any. I told him it was okay if he wanted to call off the engagement. He didn't. With his support, I finally began going to counseling. In 2005, we were pregnant with our first child. Up to this point, I thought I was doing pretty well. Only a handful of people knew my secret. Married life and work kept me busy with other things. Life was mostly good. I am not sure what it was about carrying my own child that changed me, but I will say that the overprotectiveness I had been concerned about was definitely triggered. I was only a little way into my pregnancy when my family decided to have a little family reunion at my parents' house. Suddenly, the thought of giving my brothers hugs while carrying my baby girl gave me anxiety. This was only the beginning of what would be years of struggles. I knew this needed to be dealt with, but was not sure how to move forward. With the reunion looming a few weeks away, I decided to contact my oldest brother. He had been the primary abuser. He was open and supportive, and we talked for over an hour. He told me how much it tore him up for years. He said sorry. He admitted to telling a bishop when he was 19. I was 10 at the time. Again, this bishop did not report it or even speak to me. I don't know if the bishop even spoke to my parents. As we spoke, my brother cried, I cried, and I found some hope that maybe our family would start dealing with it. I went to the reunion.
By then, all the warmth expressed over the phone had dissipated into panic. He did not want the secret out. I decided my next step was to talk to my mom, let her know that I spoke with my brother, and ask for help to work on healing. Once the reunion was over and everyone left, I took my mom for a ride in my car so we could talk. She was very agitated that I had talked to my brother. Then she asked if my husband knew. When I told her yes, she started screaming at me and attacked me physically. I was five months pregnant and driving a car. To say I was shaken from this event is an understatement. I immediately dropped her off and began the long drive back to my home. The following years would be an exhausting struggle. Over the next few years, we moved our family many states away to create some space for me. Distance at this point was my only defense. We also welcomed three more children. I began reading book after book about emotional intelligence and anything else I could find to build a healthier foundation for my children. I wanted my kids to be free to be who they were, not to be told who they were. I wanted them to feel accepted and authentic. I wanted my kids to have honesty in their family, not secrecy. I felt this was so central to having healthy relationships. Last, I wanted my kids to have emotional intelligence and healthy boundaries. It was important to understand that even if we were all related, that it didn't mean that they had to accept bad behavior from each other or their parents, that each family member deserves to feel safe and respected. My husband gave me complete support in everything I wanted for our children. Slowly, we began to thrive. In 2018, my father's health was declining. I decided to make one last attempt at healing with my family. I went to visit my parents and invited all my siblings. My husband stayed home with our kids, as I knew I wasn't ready to have them near any of my family yet. My siblings all came, and so did their children. It was amazing to see all my nieces and nephews. It was amazing to see my sister, the oldest of us, who I had grown close to over the years. But it had difficult moments, too. My oldest brother gave me a hug, and he started crying. He said he didn't think we would ever all be together again. He was happy and emotional, and it was genuine. He was happy that we were all together, but he had just hugged me, and I was frozen. Everyone was smiling and laughing, talking and moving around me while I withdrew inside myself. Everyone asked why my husband and children couldn't come. I said finances, but the truth was much deeper. It wasn't just that I didn't want to be hugged by my abusers. I didn't want my young children to be hugged by them either. This is what silencing does. It makes the abused carry all the pain alone with no respect for boundaries. I was in a room full of people and very, very alone. It creates a family that wants to move on without healing or repairing any damage to those hurting. My parents had caught my brother multiple times when I was little, and I am told he got in trouble, but they never spoke to me about it. Silence. At one point, my oldest brother invited our middle brother to join in the abuse. Eventually, he did. What if my parents had not made us keep secrets from siblings, especially my sister, who was supposed to be watching me? What if they had not silenced the abused child? What if they had made steps of protecting and repairing our family instead of pretending our family? I wanted to hold on to hope we could mend our family. I wanted to believe I could be included, simply with the understanding that I had certain boundaries for myself and my children. In early 2019, I decided I needed those boundaries for my own well-being and healing. So I spoke to my mom about two choices. One, we could either be honest as a family so that my boundaries could be respected and healing could move forward together. Two, I could disconnect from my family and heal alone. 
She said all the right things, words of love and support that I had waited for years to hear. Apologies and tears about wanting to make things right. In the next breath, she said she loved me and was very supportive and understanding about my need to distance myself from family, that she didn't fault me for needing space from everyone. She said all the right words and in the end chose silence over me. She chose for me to heal alone. I disconnected from brothers, in-laws, nieces, and nephews. It was extremely painful. None of my sisters-in-law would know why I disappeared. None of my nieces or nephews would know why. None of them know the truth. I am simply gone. For a number of months since then, I have kept my mom in my life. My dad does not have much longer to live, and I have had a hard time letting go completely. In September of this year, my mom said this to me. You won't have any friends if you tell. No one wants to hear about that. This this triggered memories of when people had done exactly that, turned their backs on me. It made me scared to speak out again. I could feel myself withdrawing emotionally from the world. Not this time, though. I refuse to fall again, because there are people who will love me and will be my friend, regardless of what happened to me as a child. I am now officially disconnecting from my mom. The weight of this secret for me is more than the loss of my innocence and loss of family. It is the weight of feeling responsible for the happiness and safety of both my brother's wives, kids, and future grandkids. If I tell, I destroy the world they know. If I don't, I risk another child's life like mine being destroyed. Not a risk I am willing to take. This weight is crushing. Anxiety and worry overwhelm me. So I step back and choose to accept me just as I am. Ones that understand my bad days and laugh with me on my good. I am becoming more open and authentic, and I know that my best years are just beginning. And finally, the writer ends with a quote attributed to unknown that says, the more you love your decisions, the less you need others to love them. Whew, this is, this is a really tough story. So here's my response. Dear Silenced, you open the letter with a description of how you learned that you were bad because of the things your brothers inflicted upon you. But nothing is wrong with you, Silenced. Something is wrong with what was done to you. And I hear that you understand that now, but it can't be said and stressed enough. For one thing, our feelings often take a while to catch up with what we know if they can ever do so completely. Shame is such a universal and terribly damaging, insidious effect of sexual abuse. Your bishop, instead of protecting you and comforting you, instilled shame in you. I don't know much about the LDS church, but if this attitude follows the church's teachings and beliefs, they need to be changed. Children and victims need and deserve protection, support, and help from adults and authorities. You got the opposite, and I'm so sorry about that. You deserved better, and you still do. On a happier note, from what you tell us here, you chose well in your husband, and I'm so happy to know that you finally got the love and support you so needed and deserved. And how sad to think that you actually thought it would be reasonable for him to leave you because you had been abused. It's also understandable, and it's common, unfortunately. Often as survivors, we tend to carry with our shame a sense of being damaged goods or being tainted. And until we are able to truly do the work to heal from the abuse. And unfortunately, in your story, that that sense about yourself that that bishop began to instill in you was 
was validated in your first interactions when you told your fiance and you told your friend, it breaks my heart to hear that story. But you don't deserve to carry that shame. And I'm so glad that your husband understands that. You say in your letter that you're not sure what it was about carrying your own child that changed you and made you overprotective is what you called it. I don't actually see any evidence of you being overprotective. To me, at least in what you describe in your letter, you were being protective. Unlike the adults in your life, in the family that you had, you were looking out for your children even before they were born, and you had that instinct to do it. So I think that you can be very proud of the instinct and the actions that you took. What many people don't realize is that some parents who were sexually abused themselves, um, mainly when they haven't come to terms with it, um, understood that they were abused, done the work of working to look at it and, and start healing from it, they often will put their children in harm's way, in, in especially in terms of sexual abuse. They'll let them spend time with people who aren't safe for them. They'll turn a blind eye. And um, that's because subconsciously, for them, it's actually normalizing their own experience, if that makes sense. So it's kind of shocking, um, but it is a story that I hear a lot, and I do believe that that is the reason behind it. Also, becoming a parent is a common reason for a survivor to suddenly um, become in touch with their own past and their own experiences. Sometimes it's when their child becomes an age that is close to the age they were when they began being abused, but it can be at any point. So it does make sense to me that your pregnancy brought all of this up for you. You talk also about how bravely you opened up to I believe it was your oldest brother, and he told you that his memories of the abuse had torn him up. He also told you that he had talked to the bishop and nothing was done at that point either. So what this shows me is that both of you were failed by the adults in your lives, and you both needed intervention. And that is often, sadly, the case when one child sexually abuses another. At that point, you say you hoped that your family would start dealing with it. Well, of course you did. That was totally reasonable, and it would have been the right thing for your family to do. Unfortunately, many people and many family systems fail to summon the strength and do the work that is needed to face the truth with us, as many of us survivors are crushed to discover. Then we come to the part in your story where you talk to your mom in the car. You took her aside to ask her for help healing the family. The way your mother responded to you is so shocking and horrible, it's almost impossible to fathom. Even with the countless family stories that I've heard from fellow survivors, I found this one especially shocking, and it is utterly indefensible. The person who should feel the most protective of you physically endangered both you and your baby and wounded you emotionally in the most basic and terrible way instead of supporting you instead of listening to you and caring for you she chose to protect the cover-up the abuser and the family and lash out at you as if you were the biggest danger to the family 
which I think we both know in some ways you are in her eyes because she's so scared of the truth. You talk about giving your children the tools to be emotionally intelligent, to understand boundaries. You wanted your kids to be free to be who they were, you said, and not to be told who they were. You knew what your kids and all kids really needed because you never had it. I do see sometimes that truly compassionate people are able to stop the, the cycle of abuse this way by taking those very hard learned lessons and turning them around and using them for the better in their own families. So bravo to you for being able to do that. You should be really proud and I'm sure your husband knows how fortunate he and you, your children are to have you. Also, I think it was smart and self-preserving that you moved away from your family. I'm confident that it contributed to you feeling safe enough to face your trauma. When your father's health was failing and you visited the whole family, you talk about how your brother's hug felt genuine. And I would say it's quite possible it was. And the same goes for your mother's apologetic, compassionate response that she had to you at one point. I'm sure your brother and your mother love and care about you in their own way. But also let me point something out. Families that collude to cover up secrets and dysfunction tend to operate inside a kind of a groupthink. They needed all the members to stay within the fold, to follow the rules of the family so that they don't risk giving away the secrets to the outside world. And because of that, they can't tolerate any individual who confronts the group with dark and difficult truths. Instead, they have to, they feel the need to cover this up, which is one of the major functions of the groupthink mentality, is to keep the secrets, to keep the family safe from the truth. So in order to prevent the risk of family members going outside the family rules, the family will generally offer a benefit to being on the inside. At the very least, they can be friendly and entice other family members to stay in the fold. So your brother, though I'm sure he was genuinely glad to see you and have the whole family reunited, may also have been hoping that you would come back in to be part of the family fold and the groupthink and stop making quote-unquote trouble by talking about the abuse that he committed. But just like you said in this beautiful sentence, This is what silencing does. It makes the abused carry all the pain alone. You ask a great question. What if your family had made steps to protect and repair the family? I mean, if only. It's every second wound survivor's wish, right? Most of us would still give our families a second chance if they showed us that they were willing to take genuine steps to repair the damage today. You wrote, we could either be honest as a family so that my boundaries could be respected and healing could move forward together, or I could disconnect from my family and heal alone. This is it, that's a beautiful way to sum up the dilemma. It shows a realistic understanding of the situation so many survivors end up faced with and the only healthy way to handle it. Your mom said everything right at this point, but she couldn't follow through just like your brother. They probably meant it at the time, I don't know, but they are not strong like you. Instead, they turned on you again. I'm so sorry you had to disconnect fully from your family, but I also love your strength and your spirit 
and your understanding of what is right and wrong and what is fair for you to tolerate and not tolerate. Finally, you write about the weight of responsibility on you, whether or not to tell more family members about your brother's abuse because of the potential threat to their children, their future grandkids, nieces and nephews. I agree that we do have some responsibility to reveal the history of someone who committed acts of sexual abuse. If there's a chance we can prevent one child from being hurt, it's, it may be worth the backlash that we're likely to get by telling the truth. It's possible your brother's wives might take your disclosure seriously and use the information to take precautions to protect from the potential for more abuse. I would also say that this responsibility has to be examined and evaluated realistically on a case-by-case basis. We know that many people, when we tell them the truth, don't believe survivors. They just reject the information, they ignore the warnings, or they just minimize it and fail to take any kind of precautions because they don't want to stir up things in the family. They don't want to look at it, whatever the reason. And in that case, it doesn't necessarily help anyone to speak up. There's also the, the possibility of retaliation. The story about your mom physically attacking you in the car while you were pregnant tells me that she has the ability to disregard your safety and that of your kids. So that makes me wonder, what is your family capable of toward you in retaliation for speaking the truth? I think you should consider your safety in this equation. But should you take the risk? I can't answer that for you. We honestly don't know if your brothers are a danger to others or not. It's uh, the case we know by research that adolescent abuse is not necessarily an indicator that someone is likely to commit sexual abuse or assault as an adult. But is it more likely? Do your brothers, wives, and kids at some point need to know this? Possibly. I certainly would want to know about this if I were in their position. You said that you would, if you tell, you will destroy the world they know. And that's true in a way. But silenced, it's the truth. It exists whether or not you speak it out loud. It's also important for me to point out that if you have in the past or at any point in the future witness or know about any suspicious behavior on the part of your brothers toward their children or any minor children, you can make a report to their state's child protective services, and that can also be done anonymously or not. That agency can then choose to investigate and take action if necessary. So that is an option that may be open to you. I would advise you to get therapeutic help with making the decision of whether or not to disclose more fully if you aren't already, as well as the entire ordeal you've been through and will continue to cope with and heal from. It's too much to handle alone, and a good, trustworthy therapist will give you the support you need and also provide a counterpoint of view kind of perspective to the upside down world that your family members have where abuse is pushed under the rug and you as a survivor are treated like a troublemaker in the family or a bad seed. Especially when we've grown up in that environment, it can be difficult for us to kind of pull our headspace out of that and see things consistently for the way that they really are. 
So thank you, Silenced, for writing to me with your heartbreaking but also inspiring tale of sadness and justice and also survival. I'm so sorry and honestly outraged that you were treated this way. At the same time, I'm extremely impressed by your sense of morality, your parenting, cho parenting choices and abilities, and your strength. Your mom was wrong when she told you no one wants to hear about this. Your husband, your true friends, and your family want to know because they love and care about you. They know you're not bad, you're not wrong for telling the truth, and you're not silenced anymore, and that is something to be very proud of. Thank you to my listeners for joining me with my very first mini episode. If you would like to write me for a future mini episode on any topic related to the aftermath of trauma, please send your letter to Miranda at secondwound.com or go to the contact page on my website, secondwound.com. If I choose to read your letter on the podcast, I will contact you first and include you in the process. If you like the podcast and want to support it, please take a minute to give it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also aid in my efforts supporting survivors by going to the Second Wound website and clicking on the Buy Me a Cup of Coffee link to make a contribution as small as $3. Every bit really does help. Thanks again for listening and for all the support, everyone. And thank you most of all today to my letter writer, Silenced. Original music was written and performed by my friend David Boyle. Thank you to Adam Pacchiana for editing and all-around technical support and for being my biggest and best supporter all these years.